This is the Food Afield podcast, a show about wild food ingredients and how to collect them. And now, broadcasting from the wilds of Alberta, is your host, John David Schneider. Oh, dude. Yeah, let me hear your thoughts. Well, where, that's a pretty big where night. Where are we? Yeah, we are uh, in the granary, which I know you hate the name, but... Uh, it's what... I'm coming around on Shack. The Shack? Yeah. yeah. We're in the Shack. It is a Shack, and uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, and it's, um, it's a very special day here in this Shack, because we, we meaning John and I, um, put the chimney in for the big old cook stove. Yeah, today. the old 1930s Brock wood stove that yeah. is an immaculate condition yeah literally we fired it up today for the first time and i don't dad said that place they built was like 20 some years ago right and so this a new place yeah like quarter century since it's been fired probably right or thereabouts right interesting and and really like no hiccups just no. beautiful old tech that just works and you ask it to work again a quarter century later it's like yep and off it goes so we punched a hole through the wall and put all the the nice good correct chimney stuff you're supposed to put up uh and it's toasty warm in here and it's blizzarding outside it's supposed to be like half a foot of snow tonight we're and down in the grasslands um just bald prairie um and there's a blizzard happening tonight yeah we're expecting 20 centimeters of snow mm-hmm. um so I kind of have fingers crossed that that doesn't happen because down here with the wind, it, you know, 20 centimeters of snow drifts into, you know, whatever, eight feet behind mm-hmm. certain places and buildings and whatnot. So hopefully we don't get too snowed in. But um, but we're inside the the grassland shack. Just what is what's the temperature? What does it say? Mm, Here's the window. Yeah, by a window. Oh, it's over 20 degrees. degrees. <laughs> 20 and a half degrees. Sitting by a completely uninsulated, poorly no weather stripping. There's like hole, literally holes in it for venting window. It's 20 degrees. So over by the stove, it's a little on the roasty, toasty side. Uh, the stove is kind of in that space of maybe being a bit big for the space, but I have uh, long felt that whatever we'll we'll figure out how to i know how to start a small fire too right exactly you you always said that just start a small fire but you know there is the opportunity for us on this hunt here at the beginning of november to face minus 10 minus 15 degree temperatures at some point in time so you know that's one thing um it very easily at this time of year could be minus 20 or yep. even colder. Yeah, right? we've come so, with the kids a couple years ago. It was minus 25 one morning when we woke up and we were like, we're not hunting in this. Right. Yeah. So um, I'd be, I don't know, it'd be fun. It'd be a fun little adventure to try. I'm not so scared about the weather anymore mm. because you can always just go out and hunt for a couple of hours, right? Mm-hmm. If it's really bad, you know, I'd like the most I can take is a, a couple of hours with the clothing I have or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But then you come back to this, this joyful place mm. that, is at 21 degrees right yeah so i don't know i'm quickly falling in love i was in love with this place before i'm even more so now oh, right on. thanks to all your hard work and putting this place together so it is november 1st today yeah it is the opening of rifle season yeah we're sitting in your little grassland shack like we said dude we have a new sponsor on the show 
Folding Mountain Brewery. So we're having some Folding Mountain Brews. What's interesting about this is that this is the only beer that I bought over the last, I would say, year and a half or two years. And I adore their beer. So it just seemed fun to to include them in a few episodes and at least share with folks that brewery and what they do. What did we have today? We started actually. We oh for supper. Uh, well, I made Canada Goose pronghorn mule deer burgers, as one does when you're down here. Toasted uh, brioche. We br- yeah, toasted, toasted brioche. Toasted on the wood stove, yeah. which was a, a first. Yeah. That's also amazing. And then we had a what beer was that? It was their porter. Yep, which was excellent. And I'm not a fan of porter. Um, mm. So, but when I tried it, it was like I think you described it, it was very clean tasting. Yeah, it's lean, chocolatey. it's not sweet, it's not super sweet, yeah, right? It's Thank you. dark malt without being sweet and boozy. So, yeah. it's just a clean, dark malt beer. I, and I like, I, I tend to like like the middle of the road, like a red ale or something that's kind of in the, that kind of toast level. But a, a porter in that style works for me just, just fine. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Now we've tapped into the West Coast IPA, the Folding Mountain West Coast IPA. Again, not a fan of IPAs. Definitely have spun around a bit with this one. Um, I've even bought this a few times and mm-hmm. I just can't do IPAs. I don't like them. But No, your favorite's a, their lager, right? Yeah, the lager is amazing. Yeah, they make I, a great lager. I always buy. Loggers are not the easiest thing to make. Oh, and I, they won. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, they won a gold medal for that lager in the Alberta Beer Awards. In an era where there's as many breweries as there are around, that's a it's a nice achievement, especially in a difficult to make class of beers. So that's a yeah, that's some solid props to them. Good mm. people too. I had uh, I worked with uh, them for a travel Alberta project. That's oh, how did I you? met these folks, Jason. And yeah, yeah. Uh, right in that you know, almost in Jasper Park gates. Like you could, I think they're the last stop before the mm-hmm. park gates. Yeah, right up against the national park. Really nice Jasper people national to work park. with. Good people and uh, making a great product. And it's always. I mean, in the world of food, you know this, we've long bonded over this type of thing. Uh, when you have good people making a good product, a good food product in a, uh, in kind of a, a simple way that is, it's just hard not to want to support good people doing good things. Yeah, exactly. Right. Say. Um, yeah. Our one and only sponsor ever on the Food of Field podcast. So that's kind of neat. So, dude, I've got a lot to say about why we're here. Sure. But what are we doing? Why are we here? Uh, Go. Yeah, wow. For me, uh, November 1 in this place, uh, wow, where to start? It's a mule deer hunt, but it's not just a mule deer hunt. It's so I also have a whitetail uh, draw down here. Uh, so it's really a, a really important piece of the puzzle for me for putting up food for my family for the year. Often I do come here with my family to do a deer hunt. So whether from actually generally has nothing to do with from the wild, I just come here with my dad and my kids, whoever's game for a hunt. And we come out here and harvest some deer and go home. And so it's always been a really productive hunt for me, but we usually don't focus on it that much. We did in season seven, we were here. Um, and uh, it's been challenging to be here, which is one of the mm. reasons why we... I didn't really spend a lot of time filming down here was because cooking was hard. Uh, we didn't have a... Why a, was cooking hard though? Um, fire bands. Uh, We're in the grasslands and it yeah. just is notoriously dry yep. anytime after say July 1st. So right? fire cookery was hard. The wind is hard. We've yep. done some scenes over the years where we're filming 
you know, with no protection from the sun on a sunny day, you just get by hour two of a shoot, which it takes two to three hours to shoot food. Um, you're just getting destroyed by the sun. Uh, so the sun and the wind were a big factor. And so this year is a big game changer because we actually have a structure here, what I call hard walls or operation hard walls. Mm -hmm. I almost didn't care what they were as long as they were hard walls that would protect us from the sun and the wind. Um, and allow us to get warm. So Yeah, and we talked a bit about that at, in the last episode when we were doing the grassland birds. Um, so super happy with your decision, obviously, to do this little shack, like perfect size, perfect everything, um, perfectly accessible and easy to look after, all of those good things. Um, so yes, November 1st has been more of a family tradition for you down here or November yeah. in general November hunting here for deer is a you've yeah, done this a, for how long a number of years a long time yeah um and for me this is full of firsts so I have mule deer hunted for decades um but I've always mule deer hunted uh further east um in uh, I've always bow hunted and have never been terribly successful just because it's hard and you know it didn't really matter to me we're in beautiful country um hunting these gigantor mule deer and so it's just kind of fun i'm here this week with you and i've got the rifle with me and and so this is the first time that i've ever ever carried a rifle in mule deer country hmm. during november during yeah. the rifle season and i've been drawn for a mule deer buck so that opens up a lot of possibilities I would. We talked a bit about this on the way down. In that, in years past, me down here with a rifle would be more or less a gimme hunt, where you would mm. expect to be done in a day or two. Yeah. But maybe talk to folks about some of the Oof. challenges to that this year, for instance. Yeah, I mean, the best way to explain this is when I first started big game hunting, which would have been the early two thousands. Uh, we went out for a weekend and saw sixty some moose in in two days. And then two years later, uh, saw two moose in those same two days on that same hunt at the same time of year because the population dynamics had changed that much. So five years ago in from the wild, we would come here, we'd see 50 deer in the morning, 50 deer in the evening, and you would just, it'd be a Easy. laugh. It'd yeah. be a laugh. And uh, chronic wasting disease and then the management uh, through hunting, for example, me getting two tags for antlerless now uh, for the last two years, which never existed. The They're opening up a lot more opportunities for hunters to harvest animals so the population for mule deer is declining through disease and hunting i wouldn't say hunting pressure it's like hunting population management especially in this case and that's not me being a denialist about mm -hmm. hunters it's like there's been active active management through from biologists they've been asking me in surveys and studies and uh and other people obviously like what should we do here how do we get hunters to harvest more deer because we need to drag those numbers down to to slow the transmission of chronic wasting disease. So all that to say that hunting mule deer here used to be a, that'll take two hours uh, to mm -hmm. now it's, um, it's, it's a harder hunt. And yeah. that, that doesn't make, it makes me sad because population dynamics change and it was really fun to see that many animals in any ecosystem, but it doesn't make me sad in that I'm kind of up for the challenge mm -hmm. of like, okay, good. It's, it's a harder thing to do. Cool. It means that when you achieve it, well, one, you have to be a better hunter to, to succeed. And then two, when you achieve it, it's even more satisfying. Mm -hmm. So that, that none of that bugs me at this stage of my hunting. Yeah, career. no, me neither. Um, it, uh, but I, I was, we were talking, we were texting back and forth in the weeks leading up to being down here, how excited we were about this hunt. Yeah. So, 
tell me, why are you so excited to be down here right now? Um, you just kept saying you were just looking forward to this so much. Why? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what kind of answers you want, but I've there's a few reasons. One is I kind of uh, overbooked my fall with work so that um, I don't feel like I've been out hunting as much as I normally would be early in the season. So uh, it's really nice to get out and focus on, on it. Um, I often am harvesting deer early season, like mid-September, uh, late September, and didn't this year. So it kind of pushed all of that deer hunting into this time slot in the next two weeks for me, which is, uh, which just makes it really not exciting is a good word, but it just makes it really special. It's mm-hmm. like, a something I look forward to all year. It's, uh, it's like one of the most, I don't know in my, in when I'm being selfish, it's one of the most like celebrated things for me in, in the year that I enjoy spending time with friends, getting outside into some inclement weather, um, and harvesting large amounts of food to put in the freezer. I, I really enjoy those little bits and bobs that hit my freezer through the year. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being hypocritical there. Um, it's also nice to um, be in a situation where you've got some meat on the rails and you've got a few quarters hanging and there's a lot of meat going in the freezer. So mm-hmm. this is kind of that hunt for me. Mm-hmm. It's also tremendously just satisfying. I've been working on this project, yeah. this hard walls project for, uh, well heavy heavy since may of this year but it's been a work in progress for i bought the land three years ago yeah so it's been a long time coming to be in a be here in the shack with a wood stove clicking away being toasty warm and and uh and hunting deer that was that's been the objective for a long time Hey folks, it's Mark Hall, host of the Hunter Conservationist Podcast, brought to you by community-minded Alpine Toyota in Cranbrook, British Columbia. Join co-host Curtis and I as we have nuanced conversations with scientists, First Nation leaders, hunters, trappers, book authors, and biologists about wildlife science, conservation, and responsible hunting in Canada. You can find the Hunter Conservationist Podcast wherever you download podcasts. We will see you in the next episode. Hey folks, John here again. This would be a good time to let you know about something interesting that we've accomplished. We are now over at YouTube. A field is one word. It's an old word that we don't use very much. It is spelled A-F-I-E-L-D. So if you search up Food Afield, you will find our channel. We will put our podcast episodes on there with some photography attached to them. We will also, from time to time, release videos, short videos and full-length features or vignettes of different things that we're up to. So it should be fun. I hope you'll join us and I hope you'll share the news. Cheers. For me, I've been excited, uh, number one, to share this, like evenings like this. I just love this. Mm -hmm. When you and I are like hanging out in deer camp and we are in the wood stove or the the wall tent with the wood stove going last fall. uh, Yeah, that's awesome. This spring was amazing because we had that thunderstorm roll through while we were bear hunting. So that's why I get sort of excited about these hunts is just that it's the whole experience of it is sitting here in a blizzard with the candles all around, listening to the wood stove pop, eating good food, drinking good beer, all of those things. But then I think this trip has compounded the excitement for me because I I know, is that the right word? I hope I know that if I see a buck, a nice buck, and I can get within 200 yards of it, 
that I'm going to be successful doing mm, it. And interesting. So it, it ups ah. that level of excitement where, yeah. oh, this is interesting. Like all of a sudden, as opposed to bow hunting my yeah. entire life, interesting. knowing that you're not going to be successful, it's kind of the opposite. Like I know I'm going to be successful. And of course, now that I've said that out loud, I won't be, but that's, I know what that's you mean, okay too. That, that the problem, like you don't have to put yourself in as many encounters before you can, your tool of choice and the range required and all that it, uh, makes, uh, finishes the deal. Um, so I, I, I've never really thought of it that way, but it's an interesting way to think about it, that the archery hunting is uh, fun. So you get to lots of encounters, oh, yeah. but the probability of success is, is lower. Hmm. Which is fine. It's that yeah. experience. I've never been one that says, well, I have to kill something to be enjoyed. And yeah. I do, but there is something to be said yeah. for... I'm that guy playing a game. I like... Making that kill. I like winning at games. Yeah, right? Yeah. And and not saying that killing something, that relationship is a game. Uh, I certainly don't see it that way. But if I'm going to endeavor to do a thing, I do enjoy doing the thing. That's, yeah. the, that's what I'm there for. So when the thing happens, you're like, yes... What I find interesting about me, I swing wildly in my, yeah. what gives me joy or what yeah. what doesn't. Something has really changed for me this year with being excited about rifle hunting when in years past, mm-hmm. it hasn't, it's almost, I don't know, there's, the way I can put it in words, I guess, which we've talked a bit about in the past, but maybe new people to the show or new hunters especially would appreciate me saying this again is that I've almost been a bit of a traditional bow hunting snob mm. where, no, that's the ultimate challenge. And right, right, right. that's what's worthy of being successful doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not that I ever thought less of you or because you choose to rifle hunt. But it's not that at all. But it's just like, well, no, no. If I'm going to be successful, I want to be successful doing something and making it the hardest I possibly can. Mm-hmm. But now what's changed in me this year, for some reason, whatever it is, is um, no, just like you said, I'm just looking forward to winning this time mm. and knowing that I've got a really good chance at it. And and there's still the challenges there, clearly, yeah. because now I can set up another layer of challenge, which is, no, I really want to shoot a nice buck this time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, that's my challenge to myself is, you know, let's try to find a really nice buck. Where, and for me, I'm going the other direction a little bit. And that yeah, I'm, with your dough I'm Well, I'm hauling in a British 303 with, with iron sights. Mm. So this will be the first year I ever shoot. Uh, if I shoot a mule deer with iron sights, uh, I shot my spring bear with that gun. That's right. And so it'll be a, the first year ever that so far not using a scoped rifle. Actually, on that oh, bear really? hunt, I didn't even use optics. I didn't even use binoculars. Right, right. Just no optics. Old-fashioned no, mountain man hunt. Yeah. And it's Sweet. and it's and so it's going... To me, it's a middle ground because I respect the heck out of the archery hunt. And that's how... I, I, I've said it a million times. I'll say it till I'm, I'm dead. I... Don't think anything's taught me more than grasslands, archery, right. mule deer, spot and stock. Oh yeah, still want to do that. Like Just by all means, incredible, have not given incredible, incredible lessons that you learn, and uh, you think you were quiet, you think you knew how to move in the bush, you think you know how to manage the wind and, and yourself until you do those hunts. And so for me, it's a nice hybrid of. Um, I'm going to endeavor to get like 50 yards, 75 yards from an animal. I'm not going to take a long shot with that. With his right. open sights. It's like, it's really not fair to the animal. 
Um, but I can shoot pretty well at 7,500 yards. So oh, not, gosh, yeah. You were, yeah, you were, not well, concerned. your last shot with that rifle was bullseye, was in the red. Right, at, at 70, yards. I was 70 some yards. Oh, yeah. 70 something. Okay. But I mean, same, a little bit, same difference. Yeah. Um, but that, so my, my objective will be to do the kind of intimate, um, intimate stock, if you will, uh, which is, Sure, because it's hard to get within yep. 200 yards of a deer. Yep. It's doubly hard to get within 100 yards. and yeah. Doubly hard again to get within 50, 50 yards. 25, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyways, well, we're looking forward to this. Tomorrow will be blizzardy and white down here when yeah. we wake up. We have some decisions to make in the morning based on what it looks like. Still hunting through the snow, through this scrub brush. It's prairie timber, so it's small, shrunken, stubby. But I've come out into this pasture here and just had movement off to my left. And it, uh, it was a nice buck. Well, a small buck that I decided to pass. And right now, a hundred yards ahead of me is a doe followed by a shooter buck. That first buck crossed. 60 yards in front of me, this buck is following a doe and he, they're, they're facing towards me. Let me put the scope up on this deer. He's a uh, hundred and hundred and twenty yards. He's tall. Oh yeah, he's a shooter. Next week on the Food Afield podcast. Oh my goodness, I can't believe that. That was a long, drawn out affair. But I pu- was pulling a bunch of toilet paper off the roll and then it's blowing around. It's, <laughs> it's blowing up in the air and, and I have to grab it as I peel it off the roll. It is exactly what November in Alberta should look like. <laughs> It is gray and misty and foggy and white. Yep. And snowing and blowing and yep. beautiful. Yep. It's a pretty unique time of year. Let's go deer hunting.
Thank you for listening to the Food of Field podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The Food of Field podcast is created by me, John Schneider. Much of the music that goes into the show is created by my friend Kevin Coswin. And thank you also to Emma for the intro before every episode. And thank you so much to the listeners of the show. We couldn't do this without you. Be sure to head on over to Instagram. You can check out our account there, Food Field Podcast. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stories and photographs that go on there. But if you really want the behind-the-scenes stuff, then head on over to the website, foodafieldpodcast.com. Check out the members' benefits. We have member-exclusive articles on the blog that really go behind the scenes and tell stories of the different hunts and different adventures that we're on. We also have recipes there, how-to articles, all sorts of stuff. We really try to make it valuable for our members. Don't forget to leave a review whenever you get a chance on whatever platform you're listening to the show. And thank you so much for sharing the Food of Field podcast with your family and friends.